hello there! Welcome back to another episode of I Love This, You Should Do, a podcast with Indy Randawa. Hello, everyone. And me, Samantha Hees. <laughs> hello! We're here on a very rainy day, and we're on about day 65 of quarantine. Really? Yeah. It honestly doesn't feel that long. Um... We've like I've said every single time we've settled in, so it's it's time is meaningless now. Time is meaningless because, as we know from previous episodes, <laughs> time is a flat circle. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> so, Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing super. How about you? I'm doing really super. Oh, well, you just had to said to one up me, huh? Always. Really super. Always. <laughs> well, Andy, what are we talking about today? I guess we can just get right into things. We can. Who needs preamble? We're going for it. Nobody needs preamble. No. Yeah, and that's a little tip for a lot of you podcasters. Just... I tried to listen to a podcast about City of God. Couldn't find one. Oh, I found dozens. Oh, there's dozens. But all of them were like, so on the weekend, right, I was uh, <laughs> I was at, um, you know, what's that guy's name? Remember, you know, he knows Steven? And then they would just like chat about nothing. And I was like, we're... Where's your analysis? Up your quality, people. And then one, most of them were just summaries. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing that we just people just summarize movies? Why don't you just watch the movie if you need a summary? Yeah. Although right now I might you need a summary of this movie because sometimes you get lost in all the characters. Very true. And we are of course talking about City of God from two thousand two, or in its Portuguese, Cidade de Deus. I don't really know how to speak Portuguese. Me neither. I give things a... A A Spanish? A Spanish pronunciation most of the time, because I'm like, it's (laughs) close-ish. So how we do things on this podcast, we take turns bringing a movie to the other person. And I've remembered really loving this movie when it came out in the early 2000s. And I haven't seen it since, but I thought, you know what? It probably holds up, so I'm going to show it to Samantha. And Samantha... First impressions. City of God, what did you think? It was okay. What? <laughs> yeah. It was so good. I just, it's not my style of movie. I can appreciate it. It was well done, but I, it just wasn't for me. Oh, man. What a bummer. Sorry. I'm sorry that you're so wrong about this movie. <laughs> well, you can convince me over the next 45 minutes. I feel like this is a much harder movie to convince someone. Yeah. That they like it because I even have like much less prepared than I often do because it's much harder to talk about this movie intellectually and talk about what works and what doesn't because this movie depends so much on your gut reaction to what's going on. Yeah. It depends on you being carried away in the story, lost in this world, getting to know these characters and much less about... Well, if you look at this, it's really clever because of. Mm-hmm. And although there are a lot of those things, there's some really complex technical stuff going on. And even into the storytelling, it's so roundabout and interwoven and you're leaping through time and yeah. going back to it and seeing side stories. And I feel like just all of that works. But what really works is is the emotion that's kind of underlying everything. Like yeah. the real raw emotion and as raw as it could be because mm-hmm. this movie is is just that everything is very exposed. You get to see the framework of the storytelling. You get to see everything about these characters. And 
Yeah, for my first rewatch in close to 20 years, I thought it was brilliant and I was right to say that I loved it going into it. Oh, I thought so I was blown love away. It. Okay. I was so impressed by this movie. Like I said, I can appreciate it and I think it was very well done. It just wasn't my cup of tea. What about this tea was not to your liking? <laughs> um, there were some scenes, and we often talk about how, like, violence in certain forms doesn't affect me at all, but then violence in other forms really affects me. And this movie felt so real, and I guess that's the point because it's, like, got real people in it who aren't actually really acting. They're just kind of being themselves. Um, I felt very unsettled and uncomfortable the entire time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I did as well, and I feel like that's exactly what they were going for. Yeah, I just didn't enjoy the feeling I had the entire time. Because you're constantly reminded of violent children, yes. which is maybe the most unsettling thing. Yes, There's yeah. a reason horror movies go to these like creepy kids, because it's so much more unsettling when a child is behaving in any sort of menacing way. Yeah. So yeah, I think some of the things that they touch on, like the super violent children and having to prove yourself and just how easy it is, or how easy it seems, I guess, to kill someone is just like, it was very unsettling and I, I didn't enjoy kind of watching that part. That makes perfect sense. Would it surprise you to know that this movie has way less violence than actual like network TV that we see? Yeah. You don't actually see hardly any of it. It's more the like insinuation. Yeah, and I think that's what is really clever about this movie. Like I think you aren't wrong in any way when you're saying that this movie is set up to be very unsettling. Mm -hmm. I think the wrong idea is when people are saying that this movie glamorizes violence, which was like a big thing when it came out. Everyone was complaining that it's glamorizing this, which did you feel that? Uh, no, I don't think so. But I think just what made me so uncomfortable was how commonplace the violence was um, and how um, constant it was. Yeah, this movie, the pacing of it, the violence of it, the speed at which people talk, it mm -hmm. does not let up no. at all. You kind of get eased in a little bit with the preamble of the tender trio and that, and yes. that's not as violent. But after you get to, not the modern day, but there, where most of the story takes place, mm -hmm. it's, it's relentless. It's yes. relentless with that violence. Yeah. And I don't think it's glamorizing it like... This movie got compared to the work of Quentin Tarantino a lot when it I came out. I could see that. Which I disagree with a lot because I think that was said just because they're both violent and they both have style to them. Yes. While I feel like Tarantino does his violence and it's very stylized and there's no consequences to any of it, I feel like that does glamorize violence. Whether good or bad, we're not on a Tarantino <laughs> kick right now, although I would say Good early in the career, bad later in the career. Yeah. But I feel like this does almost the exact opposite because, yeah, it's unsettling. There aren't consequences. Mm -hmm. We don't get to see much of the consequence outside of more violence. Yeah, like the, the like, I need to avenge that death or I need to, like, get back at you for that killing. One of the things that I found the most hard to watch um, was when he corners two of... Um, 
the kids from the kid gang. The runts. The runts. That's right. Um, and that kid who gets shot in the foot. The way he cries. He's a baby. He's like, like maybe six years old. He's literally a baby. And that made me so uncomfortable that for the rest of the movie, I had a very hard time watching. Like, I was pretty okay up until then. And then you really realize the age of these kids and the fact that they're kind of emulating what the older teenagers slash, like, 20-year-olds are doing um, in their gang. And it's just... I had a very hard time um, kind of being okay with the violence after you see him um, being shot in the foot, him crying like a three-year-old. Like, it was just, like, that is, like, I've been injured. I need my mom. I, like, just – it really kind of almost turned my stomach. And it was just very – I was very on edge for the rest of the movie. Definitely. I completely agree with you. That was the most brutal scene so at this point, we have Lil Zay, who's your almost like a kingpin. Yes. And he's not the one shooting the kids. He tells, I think it's Steak. Steak. It's Steak. Yeah. He says, like, you shoot him. Mm-hmm. Because and if you like want to be initiation. with us, you're going to have to, like, sh- murder one of these children. Mm-hmm. And he does. And as brutal as that kid crying after he gets shot in the foot, the really young one, which, first of all, brilliant acting. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that kid. I assumed they really hurt him or something. Sliced his foot open. Or I had something. to look into what they did. They told him to like, what's the worst thing you can imagine? He said, Oh, a toothache. I had the worst toothache once. And he goes, Okay, imagine there's a toothache in your foot. And that's what he came up with. That's oh my, so good. That's crazy. I was wondering that after, like after I had kind of shaken off those like feelings after the movie and everything, because we never record directly after watching a movie like we always have a little bit of time to kind of like sit in it and kind of think about what we really feel and that kind of thing um and once I was kind of out of those initial feelings of like anxiety and uncomfortableness I was really amazed by that performance and it it looked like a child who had literally been shot in the foot like it it did not look like a six-year-old acting no no And so as I was saying, one of the really brutal things is that they're getting this other kid to do the killing. Mm -hmm. And that whole sequence was incredibly hard to watch. And I feel like this might be a hard conversation for us because we both agree of what this movie did and how it effectively made this violent area just like turn your stomach. Yeah. But I think that's great. (laughs) I I, like I get why you think that this is so well done because i agree it's very well done i just felt very uncomfortable the entire time we were watching it and especially after that one scene well so maybe let's talk a little bit about violence in film okay so you find things like game of thrones doesn't bother you as much it's like a fantasy thing right like I think that Game of Thrones, there's dragons and, like, witches and, you know, there's, like, magic. And I think I feel a little bit more removed from that. Right. Whereas, like, we went to the Dominican Republic and we went to Mexico in the last year. And we've been on streets kind of like that. And we've seen people who look like that. And it's very easy to kind of imagine myself in that kind of, like environment almost and it feels very real because you know like it 
happens on streets that we've walked, like that kind of thing. And it feels like places that we've been. Yes. Almost. And so that feels very, very real. I've never flown on a dragon. So that feels less real to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to kind of get lost in the fantasy aspect of like Game of Thrones or anything like that. That is, I agree, it's very gory. There's a lot more shown. Um, but the insinuated violence of City of God really got me because we've been to places that look exactly like that. And it's very easy to kind of imagine yourself in that situation first of all i don't think i've been to any places that look like that okay that not quite like that joking. but it's like that you can but, feel the heat yeah. and the humidity and the like feeling of those places and again i'm gonna say good because i feel like violence should make you feel bad mm-hmm. i feel worse when there's all sorts of violence and you're like oh yeah you know big deal that guy's a guy head got chopped off yeah whatever <laughs> I like it when it's as far as those silly movies, like I was talking about Dead Alive. Yeah. But I don't like it in the sense of new Tarantino stuff when you're like, oh, yeah, he did bash that woman's head into a fireplace. Huh. Didn't really bug me, though. (laughs) Yeah. It should bug you. Yeah. And in this movie, it does. It disturbs you. And I think probably a lot of it is that it's children, first of all. Yes. And every part of this movie is set up to be as real as possible. Mm -hmm. Like we were talking last episode, these aren't actors. These are actually kids who live there. Yeah. This isn't a set. This is just another one of the one of the favelas, one of the suburbs around Rio. Mm-hmm. They couldn't shoot in the actual city of God because it's just too too dangerous. Right. Uh, the director did go back and say, like, if I could do it all over again, I wouldn't have shot on location because it was it was a nightmare, and they couldn't bring in their own security because it was like so run by existing like crime forces so they were like you know you had to hire our security and then all that kind of stuff but yeah it's it's very disturbing and it's funny because it is much less violent actually on screen Mm because you get some people getting shot that'll kind of show sometimes yeah even that very rarely they did a good job of kind of blurring like you'll either see the gun or you'll see the gun in blur and you'll see the person yes so you never actually see like in some things you'll see like the gun the bullet leaving the gun and the person like that the focus will shift and you'll see the person getting hit by the bullet it's Mm -hmm. very like you see the whole thing whereas this it was either the gun and you kind of see a blur of a person like falling over yeah they went out of their way or the opposite where you kind of see that there's a gun but you see the person more and then you see them fall down but you usually don't see the person that's the thing that gets Mm -hmm. blurred more often they did a good job i guess if you want to think of that as a good job they would blur out people very often so that not to show those dead bodies. Yes. I feel like there's nothing in this movie, as violent as it is, I don't feel any of it's gratuitous. Right. I feel all of it is important to the story. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's an important and engaging story. I think maybe how you're feeling about it is the same way if you watch a depressing documentary. You're like, oh, I don't want to see all that poverty and violence, but... We watch them. We watch documentaries mm-hmm. to to learn something. True. And I feel like that's what this movie does. Mm-hmm. It does everything to make it as documentary-like as possible. And it doesn't really take a stand of saying, look how bad this life is. Mm-hmm. Look how horrible violence is. Which a lot of movies do if you had any sort of 
American film that's taking place in another country, they always have to stop and be like, hey, audience, this is terrible, huh? Yeah. Wow. I can't believe people live like this. And they have to like pull at your heartstrings very noticeably. Right. This movie relies on its story and on its actors to do all of that for you. And it never really tells you any of that. Mm. I don't feel like this is a particularly heavy movie. Like it is violent and it is disturbing and unsettling. But it's not one where when we turn it off, we're just like, oh, my God, there's some lightness to it. Mm. I feel like I don't agree with you on that. Really? No, I felt very kind of heavy and like bogged down in the feelings that it evoked um and like kind of the sadness of this movie like is it sad there's multiple people who are trying to get out of their situation and who are either going through schemes to kind of become rich um and also uh there's people who are literally trying to leave um And there's people who just don't even know what to do about their situation or even how to start attempting to leave their situation. They're so um, kind of entrenched in this life. And I I felt very sad and very um, kind of disturbed by this movie for for quite a while after. Do you avoid sad movies generally? Kind of, yeah. There's definitely... One of the things that I like about movies that, like, I will watch is I'll watch the lighter movies more often than I'll watch, like, a sad movie. And when you watch sad movies, is it usually more like there's a couple and, like, one person dies rather than just, like, a representation of systematic poverty like this is? uh, Yes. I definitely would not choose to watch this kind of movie on my own usually. And I think that um, this is exactly the reason why. Because I feel like those feelings stay with me quite heavily. I could see how if you watch, I don't know, what's kind of a popular movie that people cry in, The Notebook. (laughs) You can move on after that. Even if you have a cry in the movie, it's not going to be, it's not going to ruin your week. No. And dare I say, a good movie can ruin your week. Yes. (laughs) And I think this is that case where, yes, it's eye-opening and disturbing and good Because I think the criticism this movie got was that it was too light, that it dealt with these things of just like, oh, this happens and this happens. But that's just it. This happens. These things happen. If this was completely invented, maybe then I would feel like it was exploitative of having violent kids for that reaction that Mm -hmm. we get. Because that's what movies do often. But since all of these things happened and are happening... I can't say that it's exploiting anything or like trying to manipulate me because it's a very base level on how things are presented. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're trying to make light of it. They're not trying to tell you it's terrible. They're just saying this is what happens and you take away what you will. And what you will is that this is terrible and it's disturbing yeah. in your case. And in that's, my case, that's yeah. good. That's what I take away too. But I also get the like, but who? What a ride! Yeah, and I think that's why there are so many types of movies is because everyone takes away something different, mm-hmm. and I just happen to kind of get stuck in those feelings and that's a lot of the reason why I enjoy kind of uplifting happy movies or like things that are very far from reality and this is something that feels very true and very close and very like 
aggressive in the feelings that I end up having. And I think that's probably the difference of us in yeah. how we consume media. You like more escapism. Escapism. Is that right? And that's why I like to like read the books I read and the podcasts and that kind of thing. It's very escapism mm-hmm. and it's not as much um, something that I would find in my real life because I, I enjoy that being away from, you know, my real life. Right. And I kind of want something that's going to hold up a mirror to to this world that I know, right? And I do, of course, love your escapist things. I'm a yeah. big Star Wars guy yeah. and all of that sort of stuff. But I think all of those have something true to them. Mm-hmm. And without that, I just feel like, what's the point? Yeah. Like, I can just look at an abstract painting then. If I want all of these to hold up a mirror to society and point out what's wrong, what's great, what's beautiful. But I want to have it reflecting life. Not necessarily mm-hmm. my life, but this world. And I think lots of fantasy or whatever can do that very well, too. Mm-hmm. But this does it so directly. And I think another thing when we're going through the movies that I pick a lot of the time, it's I love that this movie kind of focuses on those societies that develop on the outskirts of the civilized world. And that's kind of between our life because we have a pretty easy life. When you look at it in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of the borders between our life and like horror movies. Mm -hmm. This is the reality that's kind of in between the two. And it's such an interesting place to to view cinema because you're not quite in the complete foreign world of like a zombie movie and you're not quite in your own happy little home Mm -hmm. you're in that transition area where real life does exist but ours doesn't and i think we all need to know that that world is out there yeah and i i agree i acknowledge that this world is out there i just don't it's not that i don't want to watch it it's that i don't enjoy watching it in those times um when we're doing something like watching a movie and sitting on the couch and having like a nice evening the idea of watching children shoot each other just doesn't really, you know, appeal to me as something that I'd want to watch. We were joking earlier that I say time's a flat circle. In this case, of course, there isn't like actual time travel or temporal issues or anything like that in this. But this talks about time being a flat circle in the most real way. And that's through systematic violence and poverty really Mm -hmm. because like you were saying how there's just seemed like no way out yeah and in this world i always think like what would i do Mm -hmm. because i can think of like well you know what i'm i'm a pretty academic person i could study my way out but here could i could i actually just be smart enough to get out of there and there's the guy on the the bus the um the like fair collector on mm-hmm. the bus and he says you should study you should study i studied i went into the army and this is the only job i could get so it's almost like do you know who that is no that's knockout ned oh, that's not- oh, right it's knockout ned and earlier in the movie lil zay runs into someone and like knocks his drink and lil zay goes at him and goes like get the fuck out of here with a and he puts a gun in his face and the guy's like i don't want any trouble that's knockout ned All of these characters that we see later on in the movie, they're in the background of this entire movie. Right. Um, Well, let's talk about Knockout Ned. Okay. 
he's one that I could recognize because he is a famous musician now. Right. And I own, we were listening to his album earlier today. Yeah. His name, I don't know good. how to pronounce it. I think it's Seu George. Yeah. But either way, he is really good. And I love his character because the first few times you see him, he's always like saying like, no, I'm just peace and love. I don't do all that kind of yeah. stuff. And he's telling the boys about like, no, you don't want to get into that kind of stuff. Gangster. You got to work hard. Like, this is what I'm doing. You guys need to study. And then what happens to him? He's he gets drawn into the gang life. And is essentially leading an entire like 100 person army. Yeah. And the way it happens seems so plausible, right? And this movie is all about those cycles. As soon as someone starts this cycle, we know where they're going to end up. Because if they start into the violence, they're going to end with the violence. And that's pretty universal throughout mm-hmm. this. Even at the beginning, we get the story of the tender trio, which I really did like. I like that way to get yeah. introduced. And we get the three characters. I forget all their names now. There's Goose, Shaggy, and another one who I've forgotten. But of the three of them, one is killed violently by Lil Zay. Mm-hmm. One of them is murdered on his way out. And he's like trying to get free of it, right? Yeah. And the other one is the only one who escapes because he goes to the church. Yes. If we have three kind of characters we follow, it's like the next generation because two of them are their brothers, right? So then we have Lil Zay, Rocket, our narrator, and Benny. And the same thing kind of happens to them. Yeah. One dies a violent death, Lil Zay. One dies trying to escape and get a better life in Benny. And then Rocket's the one that kind of gets out. We think he gets out because he becomes the photographer. Photographer, yeah. And he's the one telling the story. So really you have a one in three chance is what it's showing. It's such a mirror image of that first little prologue we get. Yes, with the the hotel robbery and everything. Oh, that hotel robbery. We should just talk about that for a second. So you think everything's gone off fine and then it comes back and shows all these dead bodies. And you're like, wait a minute, did they kill them all? And it's only revealed later that like this sadistic sociopath of a maybe eight-year-old he was so tiny goes and kills them all and the way he's laughing when he does it that was chilling yeah and i i work with children a lot and sometimes though like i i can reason with adults Mm -hmm. sometimes when a kid is like no it doesn't matter people other people's lives don't matter and that's one of those kids right (gasps) and in certain environment they can do all right and then in that environment well, I guess he does very well for himself because he's leading his own gang and also murdering dozens of people. I'd like to know, just based on like the script of this movie, how many people he actually murders. Wow. Like based on the story of him like and what they think. Because like every character has a backstory, right? And there's stuff that you don't see on camera. So mm-hmm. It's just assumed. I'd like to know his like death count. I think there's probably 15 in this actual story, but yeah. you'd think this person is... Yeah, because like a hundred like, people. You know that they're doing this all the time. Mm-hmm. You know that they're like on like a flip. You can he goes and shoots people just because his temper is bad. So you know that like all of the times you don't see him on camera, he's probably the, exactly the same as he is on camera. Yeah. So would he not be killing constantly? Yeah, he definitely is. Yeah. Did you like that opening sequence we get when they're chasing the chicken? 
Yeah, that was pretty cool. And I like how it connected directly to, like, right at the end of the movie. Yeah. So you don't actually know what's going on in the first sequence. No. It looks like fun. But it sets up everything so well, Mm -hmm. right? Because you have him here. uh, Rocket is literally caught between the gangs and law. And that's kind of like his story, right? Yeah. He's always kind of weaving between the two and doesn't pick yeah. a side. And also that reinforces the whole thing about cycles because this movie starts at the end, mm-hmm. which isn't new or innovative, but so much of this depends on everything just repeating itself. Yeah. And also we start with that chicken and that shows you like they are that chicken, right? Just as indiscriminately as the butchers are killing chickens. That's what Lil Zay is doing with people throughout this. Oh, exactly, yeah. I guess we started this talking about Knockout Ned, but got distracted. Yeah, we did. But he's one of my favorites because he, we get to see that fall of a character that he starts out avoiding violence for this long, going through the army and still is going to be like, no, I'm going to be on the straight and narrow. He tries to avoid it as much as he can, but it just keeps coming after him. And eventually he makes the choice to join up with Carrot because he sees no other way. Exactly. Really, that's the only way to save his own life. Yeah. And I really liked how we get to see things progressively get worse. We get to see that slippery slope. Mm -hmm. Because he's just like, okay, I'll join you to save my own life, but no killing. And he's like, okay, no killing. But then someone's about to kill him. So so then they kill. Yeah. So he's like, okay, no killing except for that time. But then it just becomes a thing of convenience and it's laid out so beautifully in that little montage. Mm-hmm. And you do get to see that one security guard he shoots mm-hmm. and then you get to see the boy with him and the boy looking at Knockout Ned, which of course comes back to to bite him at the end. Because he wants to avenge his father. Yeah, so that boy comes to Knockout Ned looking for a weapon and Carrot gives it to him and he says, like, I'm going to use this to kill the man who killed my father. Mm-hmm. And then we learn later that was, that, that was Knockout Ned and he does. So the little bit that he started down that slippery slope and, of course, the violence begets violence. He ends up dying. And now we just know that the same thing's going to happen for the boy that killed him, right? Yeah. You just start out, like, trying to avenge your father and then he's dead too. And it just keeps going on. And it just, I think the saddest part of, how you feel after this movie is you know it's just gonna keep going you don't feel like everything is wrapped up now Lil Zay is dead so we're all okay mm-hmm. you just know it's gonna be someone else next yeah well and then you see the rents starting to like talk about making a kill list and yeah. like talking about like who can write that was right. like the one of the saddest things was it was like who knows how to write and only one of them was like oh I can do it I can write our list of who we're going to yeah. kill next and even he says, he's like, I'm okay at it. Yeah. Like, nobody, the idea that these kids, their only education is watching the older people and what they're doing, and they just perpetuate that cycle again. Yeah, we'll touch on them at the end, because I want to finish up with some things of, like, the real characters mm-hmm. and how things were made, but we'll save that until the end. Okay. I guess just to finish up on Knockout Ned, I loved his character because it seemed like this whole movie, this whole world is encapsulated by him trying to do better, trying to do what you can, but the violence just pulling you back in. And then you think, okay, I'll just do a little bit. I'll just do a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then it just builds and builds and builds. And in the end, he's not really like, of course, he's killed by that one boy, but he's killed by this culture of crime. Yes. This culture of violence that he has become a part of. And it's fitting. 
And I, I really liked his performance as well. It was very good, yeah. You can um, really see his transformation, and he's probably one of the best actors in this because he really does start out just wanting to do good and to help people. And then um, he turns to the dark side, I guess, <laughs> and joins up with Carrot. And um, you really see when his brother is killed uh, and his father Ned's father his father or uncle an, an older a, a, man an older man um like two of his family members are killed you really see that switch when he takes a moment and he realizes that there's no other way for him to stay alive other than to kind of take up arms and protect himself well i think steak even comes over to carrots and <laughs> steak and carrots steak comes over to carrots and says like if you have knockout ned kill him and we'll save you and of course knockout ned was right there and that's yeah. what lets him know that that this is his only option exactly it was quite literally his only option yeah. was to join them or die steak had one of the saddest stories too mm-hmm. because he was just someone who was happy that he would get a little money because he would go and get them steak and fries and mm-hmm. they would give him a little bit of money money for that and he was fine doing that but then lil zay had to pull him in and of course it's going to be the same thing like knockout Ned situation you just do a little bit at first and then it keeps going so Lil Zay makes him kill that child Mm -hmm. and then after that when we see him getting kind of interrogated he says like what I'm a man I've murdered people I smoke I snort I'm a man yeah and he's just fully bought into that life this boy who we saw just 20 minutes earlier brought to tears because he had to kill someone and now he's yeah he's fully bought in Mm mm-hmm that was a really sad story. Did the movie feel long to you? A little bit. A little bit. But not, not like, annoyingly long. Mm-hmm. Like, there are some movies where I'm like, this does not need to be two hours long. Right. Like, this is just, there's so much stuff in here that just doesn't need to be in there. This was a movie where, like, everything made sense that it was in there. And I think um, it only felt a little long because maybe the reading of the subtitles. Okay, yeah. Like it felt like a lot of reading. And because it There's was a lot of talking. It was so fast too. Like there was no like picking up my cup to have a drink. It was like I'd missed three subtitles. Um so it felt long because you had to like really focus on reading everything and really focus on um like understanding and remembering who everyone is. I wonder if we were to watch this in Portuguese, if it would be any better. If we could understand everything? Yeah, and oh, if it sure. wouldn't feel quite as long because it would be in like a language that you understood. This one's weird for me because it feels so long in one way and so short in the other. I remember when we were talking about Titanic and I said it was at its best when you're kind of like going through those corridors mm-hmm. and you're like really on for the ride and I was really into that. This movie feels like two hours of that to me. Oh. It feels like you're just going, going, going. True. And it's nonstop. And it's not like it has, it's a, straight out action sequence the whole time there are moments like that but you have all these flashbacks and digressions and still i felt like it had so much momentum that i was along for the ride the whole time and it didn't drag for me but on the other hand it feels long because there's like 20 characters in this movie that i can tell you the backstory it was so efficiently done that i Mm -hmm. feel like i know everyone here i know why they're doing what they're doing and it could be a little confusing sometimes because there's so many characters, but I actually had a not a hard time following it that way. Oh. And they did a great job of 
casting the childhood and like later teenage years versions of people Mm -hmm. they looked exactly like them how do they do that some of those kids looked exactly like the older version like the benny i love the benny oh benny was great yeah that's um really good on the casting side Mm -hmm. do you want to talk a little bit about the casting of this movie since it's so bizarre sure so the biggest issue was although a great percentage of the Brazilian population is black, there aren't or weren't very many black actors because you couldn't get work. Right. There weren't black people on TV. They're not in the Brazilian movies, even though that's a huge percentage of the population, which mm-hmm. is accurate in most countries, really. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, even if you just look at American films, right, there's not nearly the representation of their population. Right. But this was very prevalent in Brazil. So, Rather than holding auditions because there just weren't any black actors and they needed for this, and also for that sense of realism, they just went to to the favelas themselves and found people. Yeah, found people, did it that way, and then they held like a one month kind of improv workshop for everyone because there wasn't really a strict script either. Right. Because I think a lot of them didn't really read, so it was just kind of this is what you want in this scene, so uh, go for it. And I loved that there's all sorts of moments that weren't acting that made it into the movie. Like there's one really sad one where at the end, the very last scene, maybe when they're talking, the runts are talking about like the list of people to kill. And one of the boys is running towards him, loses his flip flop and stops and goes back and gets it. And that was just like something that happened. And it felt like so real. And it showed you simultaneously like, these are murderers and these are children. children who still lose their shoes on the street. <laughs> and then there's those moments where they would all pray before going into like a big shootout. And the way they came up with this is that they were about to do the shootout scene. And one of the actors, I guess you'll call him, said like, oh, usually when we go into show, we do a prayer before we can do the prayer because he does that. That was his life. He just... He's he like, been in a shootout. He's been in many. He's been in a bunch of robberies. So he said, like, we do this prayer. Can we do that? And they they did it. It worked out. That's so crazy. And also something that, like, you don't get, even if there's a lot of research for a movie, there are little things that you wouldn't even think about, including um, unless you had done them before. Yeah. Like, like how would you know about prayer. that? the prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, that kind of detail is so important for the feeling of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, because this movie is nothing but authentic. Mm-hmm. Even the little scene where Rocket is at the journalist's house, mm-hmm. when they're talking about, like, oh, I've never had a hot shower before. That was just rolling when they weren't like acting. Yeah, he was just they talking weren't about on screen. They were just kind of. It was just kind of audio. Yeah, so he was just talking about like, well, I've never been in a like a house like this. Is there indoor plumbing? He just never had seen that before and was talking about it. So crazy. There is this documentary now available on Netflix called City of God Ten Years Later. Right. And it only deals with the people who are in this movie, and it just kind of gives you little updates on what people are doing now. Right. So the girl who played Angelica is one of the most famous actors in Brazil. She's doing very well. Wow. This was her big breakout. And after that, she's on soap operas, movies, everything. Uh, Seiyu George, of course, is a very famous musician. But he was even talking about, like, well, I can't 
be in TV and movies and stuff because I'm black. Like, that's not a thing here in Brazil. It wasn't then. It's still not now. It's getting better, of course, but it's still, that's just how it is there. Yeah. That's sad when you think about it like that, Um, that there's so many uh, people who just don't have an opportunity to have a career because, like, here in, like, Hollywood, there's, like, people who get their big breaks and there's just no opportunity for that for some people in Brazil and you don't really realize that until you learn more about them. I feel like that's pretty similar to here. Mm-hmm. Although the stakes maybe aren't as high because if you're not an actor, you can still like have a job. There's more opportunity. <laughs> yeah. But like if you're American and you're let's say you're an indigenous person, mm-hmm. how many roles are there? Not that many. So every now and then there's like an old Cowboys and Indians movie. Yeah. You can get a role in that. Yeah. And even then they go to the same like four or five actors over and over again. Even here in Canada. Yeah. It's the same. Like every movie I see like, oh, it's Dakota House. Who's playing the, the role in this one? Yeah, it's Dakota House again. Yeah. And good for him. But like, who else? Who else gets a chance? It's very true. How many like like Indian people do you see in a movie? You have like five brown actors and mm-hmm. that's it. You don't get any more. And you look like all of them. I, lo- I do. I'm told <laughs> that all the time. Whoever the most famous Indian actor is at the time, yeah. you're that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I've been Oded Fair. I've been Cal Penn. I've been Dev Patel. <laughs> like whoever it is, they're like, yeah, you look just like him. I'm like, no, I don't. But then I kind of look like Cal Penn sometimes. So that one's a little <laughs> I could see that, yeah. But still, it's just like you look like this ethnicity and so i've only ever met two brown people so you look like the other one (laughs) and i've only seen movies that have three brown people in them so (laughs) you're all of those guys exactly Uh, but this documentary then goes into how many of them are poor yeah still living there i saw like five minutes maybe of it not even this morning when i walked in and you were watching it and it's about I can't. I don't know which actor it was, but he was selling peanuts on the bus. Yeah, he just goes to That's the grocery store, buys a bunch of peanuts, and then marks it up and sells them on the bus. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the kind of success stories, really. Yeah. There's quite a few who are doing soap opera work because yeah. there's a lot of that in Brazil. Telenovelas. I was looking about stuff recently, and one of the guys who's in it is like a kingpin and shot a cop recently and is on the run. Who's that? He's just one of like the background guys. Oh, I didn't even just have a like name. a like a normal yeah guy just from the area. Mm-hmm. And like, now he's like the Lil Zay. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I didn't realize because I know this is all a true story, mm-hmm. but you know the runts. Yeah, the runts were real. Really, they did that at the age of like yeah five through eight. They are now like one of the biggest cartels in Brazil. Are they still called the Runs? I don't know about that. No, they're <laughs> called, um, I think it translates to Red Command is what they're called. Oh. So they grew up together and they they just continued on into that same cycle. Yeah. And just to think that you got your starting crime murdering people as a six-year-old and then that's the rest of your life? Yeah. Oh, wow. I think we both kind of work with children. And I think of some of the kids that I see who are barely able to, like, stand up straight and focus, never mind, like... Well, they weren't either. But, like, to learn how to hold a gun and, like, protect yourself and to, like, murder people, it's so hard to imagine. And maybe that's just because of where we live and, like, the kids that we deal with. But it's, it's very hard to imagine some of the kids that I coach and cheer 
like doing stuff like that. None of your cheerleaders are murderers? I don't, not that I know of. I feel like there's a few kids that I work with that would be like, yeah, given the opportunity, I could see it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard thing to think about. But if this had been, had taken place somewhere else, this could easily be like a a Twilight Zone type thing. Because there's definitely like a currency of cool with kids, right? So there's so many things kids do that we don't get. Like, I don't get why a kid has to go to McDonald's and order and then dab at the cashier. I don't get it. But it's cool. Kids just do with what's cool. Mm-hmm. So if gun violence became cool here, that would be like a Twilight zone episode of like everyone being like, oh, kids are all into guns. What do we do? But it's cool to them and we can't really stop them. That's And no one could stop these kids. It's just cool to them. True. Right? It was just cool to kill people. Yeah. And then well, they, they, did. they see the cool older guys. It's like... It's like being in grade five and seeing what all the grade nines in your school are doing and being like, oh, I want to be just like that. And like, I want to do all that stuff. And so they see these older kids and they were kids, these older boys um, doing all of that. And it's just like it's learned behavior. It's normal. Yeah, that's that's the worst part about it is that it is incredibly normal here. Did you have a favorite character in this movie? Maybe Angelica. Because she seemed like she was living her life and she seemed very removed from all the gang violence and everything. She just, like, happened to like who she liked. I think I like Benny best. Benny? Benny is such a likable guy. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves Benny. Yeah. Everyone in this movie loves yeah. Benny. And it's so bizarre because Benny killed people. Yeah. But you're just kind of on his side and you're like, oh, Benny, that guy, he's awesome. And everyone thought he was so cool. And then... I love the little moments of humanity you get in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like when he was feeling sorry for Tiago. So he says like, oh, go get me some clothes and stuff. And then they, he gets dressed up and he's like, oh, I'm a playboy now. <laughs> and I loved their interactions. I loved him with Angelica. I loved how he wins over Angelica just by being himself. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a thing now that Rocket hates him because he stole the girl. Or Tiago hates him because he stole his mm-hmm. ex. It's just like, yeah, Benny's a cool guy, though. Yeah. He just wants what's best for everyone. And he kind of does. He stops. He keeps the violence at bay for he as does. long as he can. And it's really interesting because after he's shot, everyone's like, shit, that's the end. Yeah. Like, we're all in trouble now because yeah. Benny is gone. And Benny was the only one who could kind of control little Zay. And I loved that actor, too. He seemed, he just seemed sweet. He does. Yeah. He just seemed like a fun time guy. I think we might keep this as a bit of a a shorter episode. It's weird because I feel like I don't have a lot to talk about to break this movie down. It would just be another hour of me going, remember this? That was so good. Oh, and then this happened? And then it links back to that. And it's just a lot of recapping how how well done, how impactful a lot of these things are. But maybe we'll just uh, keep it there. Watch the movie and you'll be able to see it all for yourself. But do you have any final thoughts on this movie? Um, I think that people should definitely watch it, um, and that it's a very kind of important movie in the subject matter because this is happening in the world, and this is like, like you said, the actors were like, well, we do this before we have a shootout because there are situations that people in this movie actually were in and lived, so I think it's very important to watch. Um, I still don't think I can love it. Um, I appreciate it. I think it is a very well done movie, but it wasn't for me. What about you? Do you have any last thoughts? Closing monologue? I don't even know how to uh, how to encapsulate this movie. It was 
so much better than I thought it was going to be. It has such a unique dissonance in its style with this like harsh reality, these non-actors, non-sets, and then this beautiful fluid camera movement, and the movie just looked amazing to me. I think a lot of people also didn't like how it looked. They thought it was like low budget, but I thought it was it looked great and it looked But it's supposed to look low budget. I guess, yeah, and it's grimier as things go on it's shadowier but then you have those moments at the beach where everything's beautiful or even you have the past it looks so much brighter and more pristine than and though that was still a violent time but i feel like all of the parts of this movie are working so well together from the camera movement to the directing to the acting which how do you get 48 year olds to do a well choreographed battle scene like this like how did that ever happen but it looks so good and this story is so captivating and i get how the violence could make you feel uneasy but i think like we both agree that's done intentionally and i think with great effect it doesn't feel like it has aged at all this if this movie came out last week i'd be like yeah looks great Mm -hmm. And maybe it does have some of those 2002 things like the shaky camera more often, but I think that goes into the subject matter. Everything seems seems very well suited. It just seems like a movie where I know we get into the argument a lot of like, well, this movie can be just good for what it is. Like when you think there's um, like a popcorn type movie and you're like, well, this doesn't need to be great. It's good for what it is. And my criticism is always... But if I can look at it and say these five choices would have made it a better movie and we can all agree that it could easily be a better movie, why not make that better movie? In this movie, I can't choose anything to make this movie better. It's not a perfect movie, but I feel like every choice was done with such forethought and intention, but all behind the scenes and now it's this seamless package of so many dissonant styles and elements coming in to create a really emotionally impactful movie that still has the appeal of like a popcorn action flick. Mm -hmm. It does so much that seems very hard to do and very few movies can recreate. So I, yeah, I loved this movie. Good. I'm glad you liked it again because I know you were excited to watch it. Yeah. Kind of want to watch it again right now. So I think that's kind of our conversation about City of God for the week, um, I think that we both had very good points about it, and I think that everyone needs to see it just to form an opinion for themselves. Um, and we'll see you next week when we have more quarantine streaming picks, and uh, I'll be introducing the movie that we're going to be watching for the week after. Are you excited? I'm scared. You're scared? No, I'm excited. Okay. Well, we'll see you next week when we talk about what we've been watching. Have a nice week. Bye, everyone.